Good morning, everyone. Today we have a very wonderful gospel where we usually read it during baptisms, and so usually I read this pretty much every other Sunday whenever I do baptisms. But today I want to focus a little bit on Nicodemus. You know, we don't really know that much about him, but he's mentioned three times in the gospels. And Nicodemus is one of the Pharisees, and usually Jesus has some arguments, some disputes with the Pharisees. Most of them don't like Jesus. In fact, most of them want him to die. But Nicodemus here proves to be a more genuine person. He is a Pharisee that is really opened to knowing the truth about Jesus. And so it says he comes to him at night, right? A lot of times we have to understand the theme of this gospel is the light and darkness. So it's like all of us in our life, sometimes we are in the darkness and we have to come to the light, which is Jesus that enlightens our mind. Not a kind of new age enlightenment, but like a light that really gives us the wisdom of who Jesus is and of the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus and he really wants to know who is this guy? And so we know that he already is open to believing in him because he basically says to him, no one can do the signs that you are doing unless God is with him. That's something completely different than the other Pharisees were doing. They were seeing his signs and they were not saying that God is with him. So he, he admits, he says, he says, God is with you. But then Jesus tells him something very strange. He says, you must be born anew. Some translations are, you must be born again. You must be born from above. And so Nicodemus is very confused about this, and he's like, you want me to go back into my mother's womb and be born over again? And Jesus obviously is like, that's silly, that's not what I'm asking, and he basically says, you're thinking in a fleshly way, in an earthly way, which a lot of time in our life, we could be thinking of only physical things, earthly things. And Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, I want to raise your mind and I want you to think of spiritual things, spiritual realities, and not thinking of just physical realities that you're going to go into your mother's womb and be born over again. He says, no, that's not what I'm talking about. And Jesus tells him, you must be born of water and spirit. And so first, what is so important about learning the basic thing of what Jesus is trying to get all of us to learn is to see spiritually. That is a huge deal in my life when I was young. I only see physically. I'm hungry, I want food, okay, I'll eat. I want a good career because I want a nice house. I see physical. I want whatever it is, etc. I see physically. But the physical is always related to the spiritual, right? The physical is always related to the spiritual. And what I do in this life in my body is always related to something invisible, right? If I sin, I am sinning against God. If I, if I do, if I hurt myself, I'm hurting the temple to the Holy Spirit. If I hurt my body, I'm sinning against something deeper than just something physical. I'm a temple to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is trying to see Nicodemus. You need to think more spiritually. And so what's going on? So if you look at Nicodemus, he's on a journey. He's like, okay, all of us are on a journey. We want to know more about Jesus, right? I'm assuming we come to church because we want to know about, more about Jesus. 
And Nicodemus, another time, he's moving, you can see him progress on his journey. He then, in the other parts of the Gospel, he defends Jesus to the other Pharisees. He says, how can you condemn a man without first hearing him? So now he's growing in his knowledge of Jesus, and then ultimately, he gets to the point where at the cross, when Jesus dies, he basically goes to Jesus and actually is the one who paid for all the anointing spices for his death and helped um, the other Pharisee help bury Jesus. So basically, with Joseph of Arimathea. So he goes all the way from a Pharisee who's confused to actually becoming a saint that believes. And so same thing with all of us. So what is Jesus talking about when he says, okay, I need you to be born of water and spirit. Hopefully we all know what that means, that Jesus is talking about baptism, right? We must be baptized to enter the kingdom of God. And so I want us to think Jesus is taking water, ordinary water, and through something physical, he's going to impart spiritual life, sanctifying grace. Just like the Eucharist, we take bread and wine, and through ordinary physical matter, God is going to impart his divine life, and they're going to become his body and blood. So God uses the physical to give grace. And so basically he's saying to Nicodemus, you must be born of water and spirit. So really, what I want us to do to think for a moment, what have all of us received at our baptism, when Jesus is talking about? Because... Because we are babies when we are baptized, we lose something very important. We gain something very important, but we also, which we should be baptized when we're babies, but we lose the experience of a lot of the, the Jews at that time were experiencing baptism as an adult, right? They were actually dunked in water, baptized if you were an adult, let's say you weren't baptized if you weren't a Christian yet, you would have that experience of being you would know that experience. But as a baby, you don't know, unless you look at your baptism pictures and you don't, or if you have a video, oh, look how cute it is, Father Kevin poured water over you. But Jesus is trying, what we need to understand, what has occurred to me and to you? What has happened? Basically, Jesus has literally, basically wiped away original sin, wiped away, if you were an adult, all personal sin, and basically put on you a white robe, a ring, and he says, you are a priest, prophet, and king by your baptism. If we really realized what Jesus did for us at our baptism, we wouldn't be so focused on the physical world where I would be like, where's my life going? I'm unhappy. I have this. I have that. I don't have this. And God is like, well, do you know what I did for you? Did you know what you got when you were baptized? You're royalty. Everything in my kingdom is yours. Here today, gone tomorrow. And Jesus is trying to get me to realize that every day he's like, do you know what I gave you? I made you born anew. I gave you sanctifying grace that you are going to enter the kingdom of God as a complete gift. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. And so we have to realize that. We have to realize we have been born again. So if any other Christian ever tells you, sometimes some Christians say you Catholics are not born again. They have a complete different understanding of this. If someone asks you, have you been born again? You should say, absolutely, yes, I have been born again. I have been baptized, right? And so I really recommend another time to take holy water and to bless yourself with holy water and think about your baptism and make your baptismal promises again. 
Because holy water is actually very powerful. It takes away venial sin. And when we bless ourselves with holy water, it gives us more grace. It's not being baptized again, of course, not you only baptized once. But it gives you grace. And to remind yourself, that's, that's why we have holy water in the front of the church. I mean, I know people are afraid to dip it, their finger in it because of COVID or whatever. But you dip your water in the holy water, and what is it doing? It's forgiving you a venial sin, and it's reminding you that you are baptized, right? And so every time you dip your hand in the holy water, think, Jesus gave me that baptism. I was baptized. Okay, and continuing on with this passage, the other part I want to focus on, just very shortly, is a very famous part in the Gospels, John 3, 16, where Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Unfortunately today, people have the wrong idea of what it means to believe in Jesus. Some people think, I don't need religion. See, Jesus says, all I have to do is believe in him, and I'm saved. Well, he says that, but if you just ignore the, right, what, what he just said in the beginning of the chapter, he says you actually have to do something. He says you must be born of water and spirit. So you have to be baptized. Jesus says if you're not baptized, he says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I can get into another time why we believe that's possible, that other people could be saved. But basically Jesus says you have to do something. Be baptized. He says be born of water and spirit. So believing in Jesus cannot just mean I just say or I just say a prayer, oh Jesus, I accept you into my heart and I believe in you and now I'm saved. That's not faith. Biblical faith is alive. It's moving. It's like a river. It's obedient to everything that Jesus said. That's why the problem of today is, there was a time in my life where I could have said, well, I believe in Jesus, but I'm just going to live in sin. Very easily. Very easily, I can wear a cross around my neck. I could say, I accept, I love this, that I can, in my mind, I love the fact. Who's going to not want to accept that fact that Jesus has died on the cross, right? Most Christians would say, I accept that. But not accepting the first word that he said when he says, when he says repent. I don't accept repent, but I accept the cross. That makes no sense. Or I believe in Jesus. My career is going to be evil, but I believe in Jesus. I wear a cross. Can that faith save a person? I would say no. St. Paul would say no. Because faith without doing and believing everything else that Jesus taught is not faith. The other example is, in the scriptures, a rich man kneels before Jesus and says to him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus mentions nothing about believing. He says, you know the commandments. If you do them, you will live. Another place in John 6, Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Okay, which is it, Jesus? Is it following the commandments? Is it believing in you? Is it being born of water and spirit? St. Paul says you must come to the knowledge of the faith. So which is it? It's all of the above, right? It's all of them. And so sometimes when people take one part of scripture and say, well, I'll take this part of Jesus, but the rest, I don't need it. The other part I just wanted to point out before I continue, um, a lot of times, just to point out, sometimes people have a real problem with confession. And I always love to point to this and say, because they have a problem coming to a priest, why can't I just go to God directly? Well, one good thing is to say, 
Jesus says you must be born of water and spirit, and the other writers of Scripture, St. Peter and St. Paul, will say it washes you away from your sins, right? So, if you, where can you be baptized? If it wasn't for a person who's going to baptize you, where would you go? You have to go to a person, unless Jesus is going to come down and send his angels and he's going to baptize you, and I really doubt that's going to happen. So you have to go to a person to be baptized. You, there's no other, and it washes you from your sin. And, and do, I, do I do the healing myself? I'm baptizing you in the name of the Trinity when I baptize a baby. So when I do confession, I'm also absolving you in the name of the Trinity. It's not a new baptism, but it's very similar in the fact that Jesus says you have to go to a person to be baptized. It's the same thing. When you go to confession, it's the same thing. You go to a person. So just making that, pointing that out is very important. Sometimes we can really connect the dots. And the last thing, I just want to touch on Ba'utha before I end this homily. So Jesus is always trying to get us to see, like I said, spiritually. And one powerful way to do that is really prayer. So Ba'utha is coming, and a powerful way to really grow in faith is when we practice fasting. And it's a real thing, and I obviously, if you're a kid, or if you're an adult, or if you're, if you're pregnant, or if you're sick, those are, okay, those are different situations. But if you're healthy and you are able, you should absolutely fast during Ba'utha, when you pray. The Ba'utha prayers are very powerful. When you fast, you are saying to God, I'm saying no to myself, I'm saying no to my passions, I'm saying no to my flesh, I'm giving you a moment to work in me, I'm doing penance, and I'm saying no to my selfishness, and I'm making a place for you in my heart. I'm saying, I'm actively saying no to myself, and I'm making room for you. And so I really encourage you, this Ba'utha, to really take it seriously, and I need to take it seriously, to really practice it with all my heart, right? When we do that, it really makes a big difference in seeing the effects of our prayer. And so I just encourage all of us um, during this Ba'utha, I'm not going to tell you the whole story of Ba'utha, I don't have time right now. But anyways, if you don't know the story, basically the, the tradition is it started 1,500 years ago. And 1,500 years ago, in Iraq there was a plague. And so the bishop there didn't know what to do. Everyone was dying of a plague, and you know maybe we should do it, especially because of the because of COVID. Um, they were dying of a plague, and he didn't know what to do. And he looked at the story of Jonah and said, "We're going to do what the Ninevites did during the story of Jonah." And so they fasted for three days, and the plague disappeared. And since then, for 1,500 years in the Chaldean liturgy, we have been celebrating Ba'utha, which means petition, to turn our hearts back to God, because we always need to turn our hearts back to God. And so sometimes people don't even know why we're doing what we're doing. It's important to know. And so for 1,500 years, we've been practicing it. If you haven't, um, I encourage you to come to the Ba'utha prayers in English, really, um, because they are one of the most beautiful prayers. If you listen to these prayers in our liturgy, they are profound. All the other churches in the East, Orthodox churches, they love the Chaldean liturgy and the prayers that we have for this liturgy. It is beautiful. And so I really, it's a good way to, before we start Lent, to really enter into the spirit of Lent is by entering into a good Ba'utha this year. So I really recommend that. And you guys all have a blessed Sunday now. Thank you so much.